Uh, yeah, a little bit frayed at the edges. A bit stressed, yeah, so actually. A busy day on the building site. Yeah, I've just been getting cross with people again. Um, and uh, my wife's just despairing of me, stressing yeah. about absolutely everything. Yeah. I'm just such a perfectionist, you know. I can see all oh. the edges and I just really don't like it. <laughs> you know, like pipes. I just want to paint the pipes white. Of course. Things yeah. like that. Have you got shadow gaps? What does that mean? I don't know. There's those weird kind of slots you get around skirtings and door jams and stuff that yeah. look kind of sexy. Thought you might be a, a sucker for a, a shadow gap. Oh, no, I'm not that technical. I don't yeah. know. Sudden my... Demur on are a, are a big fan of a shadow gap if you go around the Tate Modern. Oh. Yeah. I think that's what they call them. I've just made a complete fool of myself by making something up completely. That sounds good uh, to me. Uh, no, I'm not surprised you're a you're a stickler for perfection. It's your own home. You know, you're going to have to live with it, aren't you, for decades? Yeah, we are to pay. No, I, yeah, it, <laughs> it's um, but it's it's weird because it's not you know it's not a beautiful house, so it's not like we're restoring some kind of Georgian pile. It's just no, a, but it can be a beautiful home. Yeah, it's going to be nice. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I just, I've just had enough now. So, um, and I've been banging about on about it. So our viewers have gone from um, our viewers, our listeners have gone down from uh, by quite a considerable amount, having just listened do to me drone on about. Do, do we actually have any uh, updated figures? No. <laughs> well, we have a subscriber number. Oh, do we? Yeah. We oh, on iTunes? Well, no, it's through SoundCloud, oh, okay. which kind of aggregates all of the, the ways that the feed goes off. So, yeah, yeah a, a podcast, you you host it somewhere, and then people can pick it up in all sorts of different places. But I don't right. think we do a, you know, we, we do promote it on Twitter, but I don't think we're not ramming it down people's throats and trying and writing on blogs and trying to get it spread out there, are we, really? <laughs> we no, been we should promoting come up it. with a little a bit more of a promotional campaign, campaign shouldn't we? yeah to what to for what I, I just enjoy recording it that's about it <laughs> that's the weird thing you know kind of finding the time to do the the research is sometimes a struggle this week and then well it's been a bit of a struggle the last well, week you just sent it you sent about a three-page essay through a couple of hours ago yeah, it only took me sort of 25 minutes and you had an aneurysm um, yeah but um yeah, yeah there's got, some there's some stuff on there that's Vaguely interesting. I got in last night and um, and did a, an hour or so, and then that's it. I, I thought, oh, I'll get an hour today, and no, I've literally that's uh, I think about seven o'clock. I sat down and yeah, um, and then the doorbell went. So, yeah. Well, this this uh, this amount of prep has has served as well so far. So yeah, fingers crossed for tonight. I'm just posting my base camp. Who are misses? Uh, I, one thing that annoys me in Basecamp, you can add images to a post and then the next time you log on, they've, they've gone to be replaced by question marks. I, I, yeah, I'm not a fan of the new, the new one. I don't it's think it's annoying got, that you can post them and you can caption them Yeah, and then they disappear. Yeah. I think they've got to be, um, well, I don't know. I, or you're just dragging them in there and then putting a yeah, caption on. Just copy and paste. Yeah. And it allows it and it, you can see it all and. Yeah, Ask you it, to caption them, and then... I think it has to be an, a URL to it, you know, so it's mm. actually so the image is hosted somewhere. But uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's very good. Yeah. We're looking at other other possibilities at yeah. the moment. Yes, uh, there's um, I can't remember what it's called Trello. 
Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. I haven't. Uh, it's it's like a personalised Pinterest board. Um, people are using it for project management. So you get a series okay. of cards and you can add images to the cards, um, but you could have different stacks of cards. So, for example, you could have, uh, we could have ones on, you know, uh, news items, uh, mm. subject items, and then you just hang them off the cards off there and you, you it's uh, like interactive. But you can That'd put in handy. lists and all sorts of things. Yeah. So I've been playing around with that. But again, it we, has certainly, its... we certainly need something that we can kind of add visual stuff to because it's yeah the, the base hand. camp just isn't good at it is it no i guess that's not what it's for but <laughs> welcome listeners to north v south podcast about but not about design i'm rod turpin on the other end of this skype line is john ellerman uh and tonight after a little bit of chat about what we've been up to we're going to talk about lost buildings which kind of thematically uh, follows on from our last couple of weeks discussion of uh, kind of magical places and maps so it's been very geographical lately which is good I've enjoyed it yeah and I think uh, there's there's another reason isn't there which we'll come on to later um, yeah uh, yeah so um, uh, what have you been doing then in the last week because we've had a bank I... holiday haven't we which has messed things up a bit well not for me didn't make any difference to me <laughs> Bank holiday when you're freelancing at home for other clients doesn't often make that much of a difference. Um, so I was I just about finished the stuff with a video game client in California. I finished my article, the illustrated article for Graphite Magazine today, uh, which is nice. Um, I'm pretty pleased with that. They seem happy with it. So it's not going to be out until January. It's issue two of the magazine, but it's only a quarterly. Um, magazine, um, and I finished yesterday. I finished my month-long blogathon, which I mentioned. Yeah, uh, which was kind of interesting. It was a little bit like this, you know, that finding the time to do the research was sometimes a struggle. There were far too many of my blog posts that were written hurriedly at eleven o'clock at night, which were, you know, a little more than an apology and a picture. But um, there were a few in there that were kind of a bit more considered and lengthy, and I enjoyed writing. Um, I don't really know why I did it. <laughs> I just thought, eh, I, don't, I don't often, I don't always blog as much as I should. So I thought that'd be a nice little project to do. Um, and I kind of, I was curious about what it might do to my stats, to you know how many hits I was getting on my blog, and it made absolutely no difference um uh pretty much the same figures as last month even though i only posted five posts right (laughs) so it's all about um quality rather than quantity i think yeah i think what once you start getting found on certain stories that people are constantly hunting for but i think also it's knowing where your strengths are in terms of where you're popular on out out there if you're promoting mm. work and just using that and just relying yeah. on that and not trying you know occasionally experiment on on new places but you know if you're getting lots of work from facebook then concentrate on facebook don't try and mm. do everything it's it's impossible isn't it to keep up and you just end up diluting or just repeating and annoying everybody because they just see the same thing everywhere yeah it's weird i don't know what kind of crossover there is between because i've got you know i've got all the social media really apart from 
Snapchat. Um, so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my blog, and Tumblr. And I think Tumblr's kind of a bit of an outlier. I don't think there are that many people who follow me on Tumblr. And there's like 20, 30,000 followers on Tumblr. But I don't think there's a massive crossover of of those followers and kind of Twitter or Instagram. They seem quite distinctly separate, whereas Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's kind of a lot of the same people. Right. Um, which is kind of curious that Tumblr's kind of a very different audience. But, um, yeah, so, but it was interesting. Um, so I'm kind of going to think more carefully about what I blog about from now on. Um, and I have to decide really whether it's best to blog purely about my work and what I'm doing or whether to throw in blogs that I do at the minute, which are about, you know, kind of inspiration or art materials. Actually, art materials ones seem to do really well. Um, so I'll probably stick with those. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got a book in the post. Oh, yeah. Uh, courtesy of Your Good Self. So thank you for that. Oh, right. You uh, got looking it. forward to reading that. Uh, 45 by Bill Drummond, we mentioned last week, will be our book of the month this month. Uh, I don't know when we'll cover that, probably in a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, we need to read it, won't we? So, yeah. Uh, um, looking forward to that. Um, and that's about it. There's, um, the other thing, uh, each year I tend to get involved in this project called Inktober, which is a bit like November, but with more drawing. Um, started by a, an illustrator called Jake Parker. And it's all about you draw one ink-based drawing a day for October. And I've done it the last couple of years. And it, like blogging every day, it, it gets to be a struggle to find the time to do it. So rather than do that kind of as it's supposed to be done this month, I'm going to try and work every day on slightly bigger scale drawings. So not rushing to get one finished every day. But I'll post progress of, you know, maybe two or three pictures that I'll complete over the month. Um, and I think I'm going to do them uh, with perspective, which is not something I do. All my illustrations are flat. So I'm going to branch out. And um, I did some little doodles with two-point perspective the other day. So I think I'm going to do start off with a big kind of complicated castle, um, which would be interesting. Oh, sounds exciting. Uh, yeah, inspired by that picture by Gary Chalk that I tweeted at you. Were you already following him? No. No? Um, who's the guy that does the illustrations for Sorcery that we mentioned last week? Yeah, the one I was couldn't remember uh, the yeah. other week. So, yeah. Um, it's really um, weird, isn't but it? He, he posted a, an amazing picture of like kind of this medieval uh, alleyway, um, which is just fantastic. And I thought I should kind of do, try and do something that's more three-dimensional. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been up to and what I'm going to be up to. What about yourself? Um, well, I took a day off last week and went to the beach. And that was... For, oh. Yes, it's that time. More super teas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, got, you went to the beach? Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, it was very lovely. Lovely weather. Beautiful. Good paddling. I swam. Did you? Yeah. And the bug did. My Whereabouts were you? Uh, we were in Highcliffe, which is between Christchurch and Lymington, sort of Bournemouth way. Yes. Yeah. 
Nice. Yep. My mum's got a beach hut there. So Very we nice. go down and use that. And my sister was there. It was her uh, birthday. So we had a little picnic and um, yeah, had a very nice time. Cool. Nice to get to, uh, nice to get to the coast for a bit of a break. Yeah. Well, we go there a lot. We've got both, both our parents live in the literally street away from the sea. Oh, marvellous. I know. Very lucky. Yeah. Uh, went to um, the pub on bank holiday uh, on no on sunday i think and saw they had some farm animals there because they did a kids day but sadly it rained oh, nice. yeah. it was really nice we had some rare breeds i didn't eat them um but i would have done given half the chance mm. a guinea fowl uh baby pea peacocks i do like a guinea fowl they're kind of cute little it, things it not like... noisy yes very noisy mm. there was a calf there yeah you know your general farmyard animals yeah, uh, but they're all quite in this pub in Alton. They're all quite um, trendy, so they were well, trend. They were trendy farmers. I see. Yeah, like uh, hipster farmers. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's quite cool. Yeah, I guess. Well, they're um, all wearing sort of skinny jeans with their hunter wellies. Yeah, they were, and bearded and checkered yeah. shirts, um, <laughs> <laughs> like Shoreditch, and uh, they were a rural Shoreditch, just ditch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and the pub is quite like that anyway it's a good pub you know it's very yeah. rare it's alton's a bit backwards but um it's they're very lucky with the fact that they've got that pub because there aren't many places that have such excellent boozers yeah proper collection of bourbons gins oh, beers craft beers um they have beer on tap food's really good music's great it's on record records so um well. Yeah, if I'm you're in the area, coming, if you're in the middle of middle of nowhere in Hampshire, it's <laughs> <laughs> definitely worth a visit. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to pop in. Yeah, the George, that's called. I bought some art on Monday. Mm. Uh, we went to an exhibition, and we've had Hampshire um, Open Studios in the last couple of weeks, which is um, great. Uh, I don't know if they do it; they must do it in other counties. But it's a great scheme yeah. where they. Uh, artists open up all their studios and they're centrally advertised so you can you get like a thing through the post you know a catalogue and you can visit all different types of artists working on all sorts of media all dotted all over the county um, so what did you go for something avant-garde or something <clears throat> traditional well there's two people down our road uh two ladies who are artists one is an illustrator of wildlife and the other one is an is, is an avant-garde kind of um abstract painter and, and i really like her work she's sort of paints still life but they're really distorted and but she she only opened on friday so i missed her and i think she might have been in the thousands uh, whereas the other lady is doing g clay printing okay and she is her grandmother was a designer for um i got chatting to her, her grandmother was a designer for william morris and designed was involved in the design of the strawberry thieves which is one of the famous prints yeah. Look it up, put that in the that's, show notes. Yeah. yeah. That's so she cool. draws in Illustrator. So hers are very flat, almost. Oh, yeah. What's her name? Rachel Hudson. And she's over at butterflytrack.co.uk. She's got a shop there. Um, and her prints are really reasonable. So, you know, 20, 30 quid. Nothing. Did you tell me about her before? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's really good. And she, I've bought, so I bought a drawing of a nut hatch and a tree creeper. One goes up, one goes down trees. 
Yep, I like nut hatches and tree creepers. And uh, and some blackbirds eating gooseberries for our kitchen. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Really nice. So, and I was sneaking in there telling her that I'm going to be a gicle printer. Would she like to come? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mentioned that and I got some information off her, which is good. So I'll be talking to her in the future. Yeah, cool. Um, had lots of work coming in. I should skip on what I'm doing, aren't I? So, uh, yeah, I've got some branding work, some web design work, a brochure came in, some brand guidelines. So suddenly from not having any work, I haven't done any tapping up of people, but they're all coming back off holiday, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, that's it, isn't it? August always quiet. Yeah, quiet so, um, yeah, I, I'll take on most of it. I've been wrangling email signatures which are the most horrendous thing you know they're worst one level down in hades from um, powerpoint presentations or email signatures uh, so yeah i've had a horrible day doing those yeah do you have an email signature no with you know images that you no. just sign it well, i mean yeah it's not an advert i just what i say mm. to my clients it's not an advert it you're writing to somebody that you know already don't yeah you know it's like I don't know. I don't know what it's like, but it's. I don't, I, I, I don't like it. It's like putting a business card in your Christmas cards. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, or, or just keep dropping ones on people's tables as you walk past. Yeah. Um, no, I don't like them. They never work properly. They never work across multiple platforms. So I end up spending all day trying to make them work, and they never do. And then the client gets really upset with you, as I had today. I keep saying, I told you. Just have it in text. But I don't want it in text. <laughs> and calling, me, calling me pal, which if you, if you want to make me annoyed, which isn't difficult, but just call me pal or mate. Mate really annoys me. Yeah, especially when um, I'm not friends with someone. But pal yeah. is the worst. Although I call everyone fella. I'm sure that annoys uh, no, that's all right. countless people. No, no in email. Yeah. It's not good, pal. Um yeah. So um, yeah, and I've been watching Stranger Things that you recommended. And um, how are you finding it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I watched episode three last night, and there's a great yep. Peter Gabriel cover doing Bowie at the end, uh, which, which is brilliant. Uh, I think it's just Heroes, isn't it? Yes, it's the one. Oh, I can't say because yeah. It'll, yeah. Um, it's great. And, I think I think that series just gets better and better. The first three or four episodes I thought were okay. And I just thought it got better after that. Oh, good. So. Uh, and I've found a new podcast that I've missed, and I don't know how I've missed it. It's called No Such Thing as a Fish. Have you heard of it? I have not. It's the QI uh, oh. quick, uh, fact uh, researchers doing a weekly podcast. Oh, fantastic. And they choose four facts and talk about it. And oh, I think it's great. just the source of our <laughs> subject matter. We're just going to nick it all. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, so good. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. I, do, you, I follow them it. on. Uh, I follow them on Twitter. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like 130 episodes in, so wow. I've got hours of the stuff. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. 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 Any news? Any news? Any news? Any news? Any design news? Well, it's the Design Museum Designs of the Year uh, were announced today or yesterday. Were um, we on it? No. Oh. Um, I don't know. I didn't check their podcast section. <laughs> um. But I looked at the the graphics, the 2D graphics nominees. I didn't look at any multimedia or television advertising or product design or anything like that. Um, And it's a really eclectic list, and I think it shows you how diverse 
the field of graphics is. I think it's really easy to think about it as just being print. Um, but it's uh, are you just opening a beer there, John? Yeah. Ah, what have you got? Uh, it's a it's a Marks and Spencer one. Uh, Nine hot pale ale. Nice. Yeah. I've got a Kona Brewing Company Longboard Island Lager. I've, liquid, liquid Aloha. I've ju- I've got one lined up for my pie. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice little uh, tins, aren't they? Oh, mine's in a bottle, so it might be a oh. slightly different beer. But it was Kona, no. Kona, because yeah. I thought, oh, that's mountain bike, but was he not? Oh, yeah. Oh, very nice. Sorry, I um, interrupted yeah, so, you. No, no, I interrupted myself. Yeah, so it shows how diverse graphics are. So they've got, I'm not going to go through them all. There's only a few that I was aware of. Um, the Channel 4 rebrand by DBLG and Brody Associates. Uh, Jonathan Barmrook's Black Star album cover for David Bowie. Um, and the new Norwegian Passport by New Design Studio. Um, I think were the only ones I'd... Oh, there's an Apple one as well, shot on the iPhone. Um, but some of the other kind of less well-known ones are quite curious. So there's one by a, uh, a studio called Grouper, which uh, Malaysian illustrators putting protest posters online for public access, which is a little bit like the thing that Barnbrook did for the, you know, the 99% or anonymous stuff. Do you remember he put like together a protest toolkit um, with graphics and slogans and typography and, icons and stuff um which is quite interesting so these malaysian illustrators have basically put posters online um for people to print out and use which i thought was quite interesting yeah um there's one which even though i've looked at it i still don't really know what it is um which was uh, christian Mendetsma and matthias labody which was the bottom ash observatory and the Design Museum's website on this is rubbish because there's no, you can't click on it for any more information. So it says, basically, this is a nominees for this project with an image or two. And then you can click on the individual designers, but it takes you through to kind of their website. It's not always something to do with the project. So it's a bottom ash observatory. I think it's a book and it looks to be a book about a recycling plant, which is a bit weird. So I don't really know what that's about. Uh, there's another weird one, which is uh, by a couple of uh, designers, Georgia Lupi and Stephanie Posovec, called Dear Data, which is they've illustrated their their own friendship. And so they've illustrated their correspondence and their communications and their meetings. And, and it's quite pretty sort of um, colourful illustrations, which is quite nice. Um, the one that I like the the best was by uh, Juiced Gruten's studio, which is a new dictionary of the Dutch language, which is just beautiful, beautifully typeset, beautifully bound, three volume, all white bound with kind of embossed text on the spine. I think they developed a new typeface for it um, <clears throat> with lots of new icons to represent different things like same-sex marriage and uh, social media and tablet screens and kind of all sorts of things um, that wouldn't have been necessary 10 or 20 years ago when it was whenever it was last 
you know, updated. Uh, so that's a really beautiful thing. Uh, and Speakerman's little print studio, you know, P98A, his, his little yeah. kind of typesetting studio. Uh, the newspaper that they produce, which is kind of like a specimen, almost like a, an old specimen newspaper type thing of kind of curious texts and fonts. That's nominated as well. Yeah. So some interesting stuff and quite a few bits and pieces that I hadn't um, seen before. So it's worth having a having a look on the slightly poor Design Museum Designs of the Year website. Yeah, their website's rubbish. Uh, but I um, no, I will have a look at that. I haven't I haven't looked at any of those things. So um, sounds very interesting work. Mm. See, and and work that's starting to be a bit more politically challenging. Would you say? Yeah, well, there's certainly a few bits in there. There's also um, uh, where is it? There's a first aid kit for refugees, which again is a, a bit like the grouper thing and the Barnbrook 99% thing, which is an icon based communication for refugees and NGOs that represents stuff, I guess, so that it eliminates a language barrier and uh, I guess an educational barrier as well. So it makes things clear about, I don't know, hand washing and first aid and. Or st- stuff like that. So there's some really interesting stuff there. Not just your bog standard kind of advertising e yeah stuff, which is nice. Um, well, if you're bored of all that and um, and life, and you just want to, and you think that it's all going to kick off, then um, and you're going to need to arm yourself and go off into the hills, then um, there's a load of um, World War Two tanks and planes for sale. <laughs> Really? Yes. The Normandy Tank Museum is closing down and selling its entire collection. Oh, I, saw I this just on, noticed your update. I saw this on Apple. Uh, yeah, this is on um, International Business Times. And, uh, yeah, it's um, it, they've got all sorts of things for sale. So you can go through the, the price list if you wanted a uh, an M4 Sherman, um, which actually has a 105mm calibre gun on it quite rare that one handy for parking yeah that's two hundred thousand to four hundred thousand euros yeah uh you could go for a stewart tank uh which were used by the british quite a lot i think in these uh in the desert um and they that one's going for 150 to two hundred fifty thousand euros which i think it's worth it you know you could fit that with a bit of sat nav Mm. um looks quite comfortable i love that um it's a bmw motorbike and sidecar yeah in kind of desert colors that's great looking thing yeah definitely well well worth heading over to this page if you like uh, a bit <laughs> yeah. of old military history but yeah, i just think nice. getting one of the old um like an m3 half track i'd like one of those <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah so that's it, pretty it beats cool. a land rover you know you'd be able would to that cre- be all right on the hog's back <laughs> uh, i think you might be in trouble there but um <laughs> it looks like they've got a hippo mobile which is just a horse um <laughs> <laughs> oh yes but they've got a Kubel wagon which is uh again that's 25 to forty-five thousand euros it's almost affordable oh, the, yeah that's quite nice i like the duck as well the, yeah uh, the amphibious beast that's pretty cool yeah. Crossrail, big uh you'll have heard about it from the uk if you're not you probably won't have uh huge engineering transportation project in london basically building a uh, a massive underground railway from east to west linking uh various existing stations and 
building new stations kind of out in the suburbs. Um, but one of the big component parts of that was sort of partially finished this week, which was London Bridge Station. Um, and it looks pretty fab from the, the pictures I've seen. It's got the biggest concourse in Britain, or if not, maybe even Europe. So the concourse, which serves all platforms now, is the size of a football pitch. Um, and it just looks like a great space, really. Um, you know, so many uh, modern stations are, you know, a bit sort of uniform and stuff. And I just think they've done a good job of this. Loads of natural light, massive, you know, escalators and stuff. It looks really cool. Uh, it's going to... Um, it's going to provide capacity for more than 60% more passengers. So I think at the minute it's something like 50 million passengers a year. Oh, it's a horrible station at the moment, isn't it? it yeah. So it's well, a it, rabbit it, warren of... Yeah, plus it's been a complete mess, hasn't it, for the last sort of five years or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's good. I like the look of that. It's been designed by Arcadis, WSP Parson, Brinkerhoff and Grimshaw. <laughs> Where do you think Grimshaw came in there? Yeah. <laughs> a load of exotic names and then Grimshaw. Yeah. I like Grimshaw, though. <clears throat> yeah. So that's interesting. So it'd be, uh, it'd be nice to visit that and have a look. Right underneath the Shard, isn't it? London Bridge. Yeah. So you can uh, kill two visual sites with, uh, I suppose, with one stone. Uh, what's, what have you got up next? Um, well, if you head across the river a bit and down a bit, you'd come to Somerset House. And at the moment, um, the uh, Icelandic singer, uh, Bjork, uh, has got a 360-degree VR show. We've been talking about this quite a bit. Mm. Uh, and she's um, she's grasped that technology and done her usual spin on it. Um, and uh, you can, if you want to go there, you can go and st- go visit down her mouth and up her nose and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Um, I haven't had a look at any of the videos. I think possibly you could run them on YouTube. They might give you some kind of 3D yeah. uh, capability if you look through Chrome. I wouldn't. I don't think they'd work in Safari. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely looks quite exciting. Um, I see she's, she's gone for her normal subdued outfit in one of those photographs. Yeah. But she doesn't have... Um, yeah, she's always cutting edge, hasn't she? Um, yeah. she, she it hasn't had brilliant reviews. I, I have to say that uh, that I've that I've read, but um, I think she's always on the edge, and it's brilliant. You know, somebody who is always pushing boundaries. Uh, I she was married to Matthew Barney for a while, wasn't she? She's recently split up with him. Have you watched any of the Green Master Cycles? No. Films? Right. No, I haven't. Yeah, I think you should check them out. Uh, they're kind of like a cross between art installations and movies. Um, if you ever saw the video for her one where it was set in a tank of whale fat, you see, <laughs> no, I you missed seen that, that one. Vi- right? <laughs> uh, I, try, I can't remember what that, what that song was, but it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Um, but he's a he's a weird guy, really weird, and oh, he's yeah. he's kind of like a satyr in a lot of his. It's it's a bit Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, okay, sort of, some of the yeah. films that kind of um, rings but, a bell. But you should check check him out. Uh, but she, yeah, she's very very strange. Mm. Um, but I thought that was some of her stuff's beautiful. Yeah, some of the videos as well that she's sort of had in the past have been pretty spectacular. Um, no, not I, I can remember at the minute. A friend of mine worked on, you know, the the famous, oh, I can't remember what it's called, um, where she's a, a robot 
kind of a sexy white robot. One of my friends worked on that and built the robot for it. Uh, the last bit of news I've got really is uh, it's just a little thing on Twitter, which we lost. Um, we lost Gene Wilder this week, um, who's one of my favourite comedy actors. Hilarious in kind of everything he was in. But someone had tweeted saying Gene Wilder bloopers should be released as a collection with a little video clip of um, a bunch of his bloopers, mostly from, um, is, it, is it Young Frankenstein? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're just brilliant. And it just reminds you what what a good actor he was and just kind of how inherently funny he is or was. Um, so have a look at that. I'll stick that on the show notes. He, um, he, was, he do... was a bit of a Willy Wonka character, though, wasn't he? I don't because he, yeah. he he was funny with other people, but he was also quite a tragic. Look, you know, he could he could do yeah. um, pathos quite well in his films. Yeah. But uh, yeah. do you think it's he was really appealing to us because he was a sort of he was really big when I was eight or nine, and, and yeah, I saw Willy really. Wonka, and um, but then I saw you know Stir. I saw all those videos from the video store that I wasn't meant to get out, but you know yeah. Stir Crazy. Richard Pro- got into Richard Pryor through that. Yeah, it's not him and Steve Bullet, Martin. Silver was... Bullet, was he in that? Was that um, one about a runaway train that was a robbery? Did you ever see? Might have been. Yeah, Silver Streak, maybe, was it called? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and young, obviously Young Frankenstein. But I don't think I ever saw that as a kid. Um, oh, I, just, I did, yeah. Blazing Saddles, was he in that? No, maybe he must have been. He must have been in that. I don't know. Uh, I the, the one that was really, it was Lady in Red. Yes, Woman in Red? Woman, Woman in, in Red. red. Oh, yes, yeah. with uh, Kelly LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kelly LeBron. Kelly LeHot. Yes, she was oh, in that, wasn't weird she? Weird science. That was, you oh, know, the, oh, yes. oh, just straightening my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, Hang on. next. <laughs> oh, it's gone hot in here. <sighs> um, well, if you need to cool off outside um, in, during autumn... Segway, segway. It's, we're, we're heading towards spectacular autumn colour, apparently, according to scientists, Rob. Don't they always say this uh, every autumn? Do they? Oh, there's a lot yeah. of sugar in, in leaves. Yeah. Oh, because I've been to the fall in um, in Canada, you know, when it, when they say is that the leaves turn, leaves turn. Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. It is insane. And I went up in a helicopter over it and it was, it was it's red. It's the vivid red of a mm. living leaf is unreal for as far as the eye can see, you know? So yeah, really a spectacular, not that you get that sort of vista of trees here, but yeah. Oh, oh you spoiled my, I thought well, that no, was just a may, new it, thing. It may well, be. no, they've said it for a while, you know, it depends on the spring and if you get frosts early in the winter and all that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Um, but you know, fingers crossed it's a, a cracker. Yeah. I do like that kind of as you drive. Uh, driving north, obviously the seasons encroach a little quicker the further north you go. And so when I drive home, um, kind of at this time of year, you quite often see that autumn has already, you know, begun up in Yorkshire, where it's, you know, down here it's still in uh, sort of high summer. Yeah. Which is always good. And then you get it the other way around as well. Kind of, you know, we get spring first and go up north and there are still no daffodils and stuff no ah. hmm. um i've got i've got one little techie thing uh mm-hmm. that sonos um if you've got sonos speakers do you have sonos speakers i don't i don't no. have any 
uh, audio equipment at all. Right. If I'm downstairs, I listen to the radio through the telly. If I'm upstairs, I listen on the iMac. I don't even have any separate speakers for it. Oh, mate. Need some speakers. <laughs> I, I don't have a uh, a little, you know, vinyl record player or anything. I don't. Not remotely audio, Philic. Well, uh, Sonos are quite good, but their app is rubbish. Mm. Um, they have announced that they are going to allow third-party apps to control the Sonos machine. So rather than having to go through the Sonos app, you'll be able to use Spotify or I think yeah. they're using Amazon Echo coming next year, but I don't mm-hmm. think you can get that in the UK yet, which looks like a great little gadget. Um, yeah, it's like Siri on steroids, isn't it? It is. You can order you. If you run out of toilet paper, you can shout from the toilet and it will arrive by a drone. But- Within yeah, the hour. That Amazon <laughs> Now thing. Yeah, get it delivered within the hour. Yeah. Bog paper! I know a lot of people who really rave about the Sonos stuff. So uh, Yeah, they sound great. I, we haven't, uh, I know loads of people have got one. We've got like a Bose one that we were given as a present, um, yeah, which lovely. is only a tiny one. Um, it's quite good. The Sonos is just rounder sound, I think. Um, I've got I've got the original Apple Hi-Fi speaker. Do you remember that thing? What the Harman Kardon? No, oh, the one I, they produced. It's it's a beautiful thing actually. It's like a rectangular white round-edged plastic box, um, and with a speaker grill on the front. And oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it's great. And it's good, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. You can put batteries in it, take away. We we use it as our main speaker for everything. And I just got a um, wireless thing that goes into it. And, yeah. Um, so it kind of acts like a Sonos. Yeah, cool. But yeah, I think it's the future, isn't it? No, no longer having. I, I don't think there are many people out there that can. Well, there are lots of people out there that can remember. But you know, setting up a stereo was a was a right passage at the age of yeah. sixteen of getting of speakers and units and. It was massive, yeah. and trying to transport that thing around on National Express was a was was a job in yeah. itself. For me. Yeah, when you went away to college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I loved my stereos, and I still do. But so, but you can't really have them anymore. Well, you can, but what's the point? It's too yeah, much space. Yeah. A couple of catch-up thing. One one little thing. There's a really good article. If you enjoyed us talking about Watchmen the other week, uh, the um, BBC. Uh, culture sec, uh, website which is really good I've only just discovered it yeah um, has got a really really interesting article on Watchmen hmm. uh, and it's by Nicholas Barber and it came out oh, last week I think and it talks about Alan Moore and how he regrets ever writing the comic series because it spawned so much yeah. violent stuff I'd, I'd never read read his thoughts on it um, and it explained a lot about it that I didn't know at all. So it was really yeah. interesting. If you if you like me, you're a bit ignorant about most things in life, then it's a good it's a good article to read. So I'll yeah. put that in the show notes. Alan um, Moore also wrote the um the Batman killing joke thing, didn't he? Um which has just um been uh caught some flack because they've released a new animated version of it, DC. Um the the comic itself I think was um drew some criticism when it was written because it's quite violent towards uh, women in it. And they've taken that to another extreme in this new animated series. Uh, So it's caught an awful lot of flack just recently. I haven't watched it or read it, so I can 
I'm only talking sort of secondhand, but it seems violence in his early work was, you know, very, very graphic and shocking. I wonder, I'd be interested to hear what his views were on the killing joke as well. Yeah. I won't go into the specifics of that podcast, but um, sorry. And you said there was one other thing. Um, Oh, I've got, I had loads of little things. No, that's, um, oh yeah, I was following, um, I follow a foodie guy. We were talking about maybe talking in the future about food and design. Cause I think mm. there's loads in there that, um, we can, lots of meat in the, in the pie filling as it were. And, yep. and we're a pie related podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Tim Haywood, who uh, was wrote a, ha- published a magazine called Fire and Knives a while ago and he self financed it, which mm. was a great magazine with some brilliant writing and, fantastic graphic design in it he's an ex-ad agency chuck chap um and he has now taken over fitz billy's it's a famous baker in cambridge um and he's got a couple of um shops there but he's been doing a series he uses instagram quite a lot uh, and he's really into sort of preserving meat and barbecues and pizza ovens and things like that and he started making his own knife and i just thought it was a really cool project to put on instagram so he's taking an old sabatia knife and he's making it into a proper japanese cutting oh, knife nice with oh, just tool, tools in his garage uh i've seen this guy on uh, he's brilliant sunday, Brun- sunday brunch right okay he's often on that smoking things yeah he likes to smoke stuff yes he's very opinionated uh, yeah but, but brilliant brilliant journalist as well really oh, good cool. um, i didn't realize he came from that background i just assumed yeah he his pinterest is brilliant oh, like cool. like absolutely brilliant he's into old you know vehicles military vehicles classic 1950s fashion um graphic design all sorts of things like that i've got oh, a few cool. of the old fire and knives i'll give you i'll give you some of them because i don't think they i don't think it was very popular or you know didn't sell yeah. a lot, which I think why why it went out of business. But I just thought it was a really cool project to put on there of just making yeah. your knife. And he's got a book called The Knife, and it's reviewed by Len Dayton. So that's that's <laughs> where I got. <laughs> Len Dayton was still around. Yeah, he's in his nineties now. Wow. Yeah, he's been writing a book on the rotary, the history of the rotary engine. Apparently. Wankle. Chitting. <laughs> I wish I had a bell. <laughs> Oh dear, that was a 30 yard back of the net. <laughs> ah, Let's right. get on to what we, uh, you know, with that, you want to with that, or... yeah, with that scorching fire rocket of a witticism. That's what, what I'm here for. Um, much like the ovens in Pudding Lane, it burst into <laughs> flame in the middle of the night and set a conflagration across london the like of which had never been seen before nor since up to the blitz in are brackets you, are you quoting peeps here no i'm not i just made oh, it up it's, it's that i was sitting watching Newsnight last night after i got in and um i they were there was a chap on there who it was hilarious. did you see it i didn't no all oh, right well if you can see it on iplayer it's brilliant um the the chap is called um i'm gonna have to scroll a bit dr matthew green um he has written a, quite a few books about London and coffee shop history and all sorts of lost buildings. And he had been brought on to talk about the 350 year um, anniversary of the start of the Great Fire of London, which started on the 2nd of September, 1666. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, that would be right. right. Um, and uh, it was, uh, it basically 
press, uh, you know, meant it was the end of medieval London. Yeah. The warren of wooden streets and timber streets was quickly replaced by um, Wren's vision of, of London. Which, well, partly. And yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, he um, he was talking about that. But it was just really funny because he had obviously been called up last minute and he was wearing the most creased clothes you've ever seen. The makeup that was put on him was sort of like a, almost like a face mask and he was he looked like he he hadn't washed in about four days Indeed. but he was it was but it was he was fascinating and it was really really interesting and they talked about buildings that had been lost in the fire or subsequently lost you know because yeah. you know bits around them had been so badly damaged yeah and that led me to just think about what we'd been talking about before that is lost worlds maps all sorts of things like that and so i thought we'd talk about lost buildings yeah. buildings that are no longer there or have vanished yeah i mean specifically about the great fire there's some some stats here uh 13 and a half thousand houses 87 parish churches 44 company halls the royal exchange the custom house st paul's cathedral the bridewell palace city prisons general letter office and three of the city gates all lost in the fire itself or in the aftermath. She's a staggering amount of, you know, significant building. <clears throat> so, yeah, and a surprising lack of casualties, really, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I don't know the figures, but it wasn't it wasn't many at all, was it? No. So, um, so the, the song uh, London's Burning, I just the top fact is, the, you know, the London Burning song. London's Burning, London's Burning, was uh, uh, was actually from 1580 and was called Scotland's Burning. Ah. Yeah. Those um, good what? old racist Englanders yeah. <laughs> of yore. So I don't know what the rest of the lines were, but anyway, just thought I'd say that. Uh, oh, shut up. Uh, no, that's good. It's good to have a song, John. <laughs> so Pepys was there during the Great Fire of London and he wrote about it. Have you read any of his diaries? I haven't. I know he buried his cheese. He did bury his cheese. Shall I quote him? That's not a euphemism, is it? <laughs> it can be. <laughs> you know, he had a Parmesan cheese, didn't he? And buried he did. it. Yeah. Uh, he said, I, well, he wrote in his funny code, uh, I went to Whitehall with a gentleman with me who desired to get off from the tower to see the, uh, the fire in my boat. And there up to the king's closet in the chapel where people came about me and I did give them an account that dismayed them all. And the word was carried into the king. So I was called for and did tell the king and Duke of York what I saw and that unless his majesty did command houses to be pulled down, nothing could stop the fire. They seemed much troubled and the king commanded me to go to my Lord Mayor from him and command him to spare no houses. So it sounds like old peeps was directly involved in you know smashing down loads of trying to create yeah. fire breaks uh, yeah. so he really did get involved but he wow. was quite a, he was quite uh, a prominent person in in london society you know if, uh, yeah I've, I've have you do you follow the peeps twitter account no uh, yes i do but I, I very rarely see it it's quite brilliant because it's it's just little bits from his diaries but they're out of context so they just they take on a really strange. Oh, so they're completely surreal. random. They're not. Yeah, no, they're not in order. Well, they they might be in order, but because they're just excerpts of a of a larger diary entry, they're kind of contextless. Contextless. Uh, and he often um, complains about his wife. 
which is just very funny. Oh, yeah, he complains about his wife all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there's but, a fantastic uh, site, actually, from years and years and years ago. There's a really clever chap called, and I think I've spoken about him before, Phil Gifford, I think his name is. Mm. And he wrote a, um, he's built a site ages ago that is essentially he was writing, he was releasing one diary entry a day. Um, and but, but then it was annotated by readers, and so it's picked up, been picked up by scholars and all sorts of you know social historians, and they then add their comment to whatever happened in the day. But everything is hyperlinked, so it's how, oh, yeah. how the how the internet should properly work. It's almost like yeah, a yeah. super Wikipedia, and I haven't seen it since the early two thousands, and it's still there. So it's under peepsdiary dot com. That's P E P Y S. Uh, and he, he's 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 had he's done some brilliant projects. He did the the murder wall that's on Tumblr. Have you seen that? You know, murderers yeah. always have a secret room, don't they, in their house yes. where they've got red lines all over the place or yes. photographs of Alan Partridge blown mm-hmm. up. And uh, his site is just literally covered in that. We're digressing, so, aren't we? Yeah, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But when you were talking about the. The you kind of posted the original thing about the great fire in the lost buildings. I thought there are there are kind of different kinds of lost buildings. So the great fire, you know, was responsible for a swathe of uh, kind of a historical sort of snapshot of London being lost. And then again, in 1940-41 in London, there was the Blitz, which kind of similarly destroyed, you know, an incredible amount of important buildings. Uh, there's like a million buildings in London um, destroyed in total, but, you know, kind of lots of famous buildings at the time. Um, but then there are other things, you know, fire, war, earthquakes destroy buildings. But then there are kind of lost buildings that are not so much lost but never happened um, for various reasons, um, whether, you know, prosaic things like, you know, planning applications or, sort of political changes or kind of bigger historical or political events. So I was thinking particularly about like Albert Speer's Berlin master plan, um, of which I think there were only a couple of, of bits of that ever got built. Um, I think you can still still see a few of them in Berlin. Um, but they're almost, you know, they exist kind of, you know, in plans and in descriptions and in, in kind of all history books, you know, Robert Harris's Fatherland has great descriptions of, the of cl- Spears Berlin, the clouds inside the dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. That was really, really found that so poignant. I've never forgotten that. And actually, that's one of the buildings that we were talking about. You know, buildings that have been lost that you'd like to visit. That yeah. that is one I would love to have seen. Clouds forming inside a building. I know, just incredible. Um, but it's. Strange. There's a there's a great um, short story by William Gibson called the Gernsback Continuum. I don't know where Gernsback comes from. I don't know if he was a an architect or something in the 30s and 40s. But it's about a photographer who goes around taking photographs of the kind of uh, 1930s, 40s kind of Art Deco-y uh, petrol stations in Midwest America. The ones that have got you know aluminium fins and they kind of look a bit like spaceships that have landed and things um and they were all in some ways like a a vision of a possible future and in this story he starts seeing the future that they 
became in like an alternate history. Uh, and he thinks he's going mad, but he's actually seeing this other, this other alternate world with all these lost kind of never happened buildings. Um, but it's fascinating that kind of alt history aspect of this, I think is amazing. You know, the buildings that could have been a bit like Wren's master plan for London. You know, that was only, there was kind of only a fraction of that happened, wasn't there? And the kind of master plan itself didn't really come to fruition. Yeah. So, sorry, your lost buildings. My, the first one is kind of one of the most obvious because it's one of the seven wonders of the world, but it's the lighthouse at Alexandria. Um, the seven wonders have always fascinated me and I guess they're the most obvious lost buildings because, you know, they existed and, and apart from a couple of examples, they're all gone. But the, the lighthouse at Alexandria, I didn't realise, one, how big it was. It was like 130, 40 metres tall and it was built in uh, 247 BC, which is just nuts. You know, it was the, the tallest building in the world for centuries. And it's just ginormous. Um, but I didn't realise it survived as long as it did. It was damaged by earthquakes kind of in um, around 1000 AD. So it had already stood for 1200 years then. Um, but it was still standing in the 1400s um, when it was kind of the rest of its masonry and stonework was was uh, removed to build um another citadel on the on a, the same site or nearby but um i just think that would have been a, a staggering thing to see um it also doesn't look like a, a building from antiquity you've seen the pictures of it you know it's very square it could almost be you know, a prototype a new york, for yeah for us have you like been a to new Ma- york skyscraper have you been to madrid because a lot of the architects that built the uh, skyscrapers in New York uh, worked in Madrid first and built little mini skyscrapers oh, wow. in scale um, to test the styling. And and that's what this reminds me of, you know, of that kind of miniature deco kind of style. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. But no, it I've, been amazing you know, I've never see. seen a picture of the lighthouse of Alexandria. Yeah. It's not what you expect, is it? No, not at all. It is like something that you'd imagine sticking out into the, um, the Hudson River. Yeah. Yeah, it could be, you know, a, a little island off, off the tip of Manhattan. Um, yeah, remarkable. But yeah, it's, I, I found it staggering that it was still still standing in the 15th century. I thought it was, you know, long gone, hundreds of years BC. So that's the first of my lost buildings. That's brilliant. Nonsuch House, which was yep. mentioned last night, which I'd never heard of. But it was a big house that squatted over the top of um, London Bridge. So it actually sat astride oh. it. And it's the most incredible, baroque, weird place. Um, a bit like Strawberry Hill House, which is yeah. a, a great building that hasn't been lost yet. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have loved to have seen that. I'd love to see... I'd love to see buildings on a bridge in London. Yeah, exactly. That was, I was going to put that on my list as well, London, the old London Bridge, because I just that, I think, is absolutely fascinating. You know, the Ponte Vecchio in Florence is yeah, just staggering. Um, so the old London Bridge, you know, and the scale that it was, which was much, much bigger, just must have been incredible. But yeah, yeah non such house looks bizarre. I think for me it would be, it would be London of that time. 
um, as long as I could have air conditioning uh, or some kind of nosegay. And, and some antibiotics. Yeah, because I think in the 1660s, it was not a good place to be. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I think, yeah, Chaucer's London, is, uh, maybe, you know, a couple hundred years before that is somewhere I'd really, you know, that I, just seeing the city walls and the gates around yeah. London would have been, that would have topped me off. I'd have been all right with that. Um, I don't go very far with my <laughs> with my wishes to look at things. Um, maybe a few castles here and there. Corfe Castle would have been amazing. Yeah. Or, or to see some cathedrals, you know, fully painted. Uh, yes. Or Exeter, where I went to university, that was flattened in the Blitz pretty much. And I'd love to see Georgian Exeter because it was meant to be more beautiful than Bath. Oh, wow. Yeah. That disappeared. Um, what's, what's, your, what's your next place? Um, the next place I have on my list is another, something else from, antiqui- from antiquity, which is uh, Tak Kasra which was in the city of, now I can't pronounce this, uh, Tessiphon, right. which was uh, kind of around um, between 200 BC and 200 AD, was the capital city of kind of, I think, what became um, Persia. Well, it wasn't Persia at the time. Um, and the only bit of the original city that's still standing is this uh, place called Tat Kasra, which was... Um, like a, a palace. And the only part of that palace that is still standing is um, this throne room, which is just uh, amazing. I'm just trying to get a picture of it up again. Um, it's the largest, it still is, even though it was built 500 AD, uh, it's still the largest single spanning brick vaulted arch in the world. And it's pretty much the only part of this uh, palace that's still standing. Um, and it's 120 feet high and it's open at both ends. So there's only a, a f- sort of fragments of it still standing, but it's just, again, it's one of those things that you can't believe it's, it was built when it was, it's, it's sort of strange. It almost looks like it's, it was something else that's sort of strangely softened and slumped when you see pictures of it. Uh, but it's a remarkable looking thing. And I kind of imagine what it looked like when it was in its, you know, in its pomp as a, a, a huge sort of imperial palace complex. Um, must have just been astonishing. Um, and weirdly, Roald Dahl won a photography competition um, with a photograph that he took out of a plane. Um, when he was 18, he used to win prize. This is a quote from him. I used to win prizes and medals from the Royal Photographic Society in London and from other places like the Photographic Society of Holland. I even got a lovely big bronze medal from the Egyptian Photographic Society in Cairo and still have the photograph that won it. It's a picture of one of the so-called seven wonders of the world, the Arch of Tessiphon in Iraq. It's the largest unsupported arch on earth. And I took the photograph while I was training out there with the RAF in 1940. I was flying over the desert solo in an old Hawker Hart biplane and had my camera around my neck when I spotted the huge arch standing alone in a sea of sand. I dropped one wing and hung in my straps and let go of the stick while I took aim and clicked the shutter. It came out fine. Uh, and it did. It's a, it's a, a good old picture. 
I haven't, I, can't, I haven't seen the photo, but what an extraordinary man he was. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. But again, it's a place that I'd never... I'd, I'd had a picture of it on one of my Pinterest boards for probably about three years and knew nothing about it, didn't even know where it was. So when we said about doing the lost lost buildings, I thought, well, that's got to find out what that was. Yeah. And it, again, it's a place I'd never, ever heard of. No, and uh, just reading the thing, sadly, was the tiled floor was damaged by an American Army Humvee. Oh, was it? Yeah, in the Gulf War. But yeah, remarkable looking place. Is this something I'd like to see built or not? King's Cross Airport, um, which was an idea in the 1930s by an architect called Charles Glover, which was to increase traffic capacity in London. Um, and he didn't do this by thinking about building an airport in the suburbs or in the Thames Estuary or Canvey Island or anywhere like that. He thought it would be a great idea to build a huge concrete pinwheel on top of buildings in King's Cross in central north London. Giant concrete pinwheel so that planes could take off in any direction from its runways. Um, have you seen a picture of this? No. If you, if you Google King's Cross Airport and it's... it's oh, yeah. It, 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 just looks it looks like, like he's just cut a bit of cardboard out and stuck he, it on top of some Absolutely, He absolutely does. It's just <laughs> bizarre. I don't know how far that, that got in terms of planning or development. It just seems obviously like the most ridiculous idea in the world. Um, but, you know, utterly bizarre. But it's good. There's um, a link I put on there to, the, to a Guardian article um, it talks about King's Cross Airport, but it also talks about some other uh, planning things for London and the South East that never happened. Um, so there's Sunken Soho, it talks about, um, which was a, a plan to bulldoze an awful lot of Soho and then create almost like a raised concrete city above it uh, with kind of walkways and towers and all sorts of strange things. Um, and, um, what else was that? The ringways. Have you ever heard of the ringways? No. Which was a plan in the sixties for, I guess it preceded the M25. Um, actually the plans were abandoned in 73 and what had been built of the ringways three and four were joined into the M25. So it was a, it was four ringway motorways around London which would some of them would cut through um, the outskirts of London and you know whole neighbourhoods would have to be demolished and some were right out further out now than the M25 were, were. and it was you know these concentric um, motorways right um, but there was such a, a backlash from kind of residents and um, sort of planning associations and environmentalists that it was never it never happened. Um, but it's weird, all these sort of crazy plans for London and the South East that, that, you know, got so far and then didn't. There's another one called Maplin, which um, was a plan for um, another airport plan at Foulness um, on an artificial island eight miles long. And that, I think, that got quite far down the road in terms of planning. 
before the oil crisis of 1973, just put everything on the the back foot. <clears throat> the, the article actually says that was the last hurrah of what you might call the planned era, after which Britain began to give up on large-scale infrastructure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I think yeah. I think it's a fallacy that the government backs and pays for these kind of large infrastructures. It, it, generally, it's normally ever since the tube was started, that was built on American investment money. It wasn't, was it? yeah, it wasn't the government money at all. Well, you um, mean the original tube, kind of the <clears throat> Metropolitan Line in the eighteen yeah. sixties or whatever? Uh, I think the big expansion in uh, the nineteen thirties was government backed, but all yeah. the early stuff before that was invest private. Well, I guess yeah, I guess they were all private lines, weren't they originally? Yeah, and lots of them ran on different gauges. And yeah, that's, that's right. It's a bit like the early railways. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was, uh, it was funny because um, Windsor Castle was. Uh, they wanted to move bits of Windsor they wanted to move the town of Windsor I think at one point to create a huge railway hub because it was um, adjacent to London but also connected north and south and all sorts of places Uh, they wanted to put in a station literally a a huge terminus Um, but uh, I think it got poo-pooed by the by the royal family and I'd have to Look into that. I don't know when that was. I think that was 1880s, was it? Something like that. Wow. Yeah, um, I guess so. The expansion of the railways. At one stage, it must have had, you know, an awful lot more traffic. The, the tube went there. Did it? Yeah. Uh, for only like two or three years in the 1880s, 1890s, I think. Uh, it went from, um, it went from kind of Shoreditch. Uh, what's the station near Shoreditch on the tube? Um, it went from there all the way to through Slough to Windsor, um, but I don't think it ever made any money, so they they stopped it. Wow, not necessarily a building, but it reminds me about the Necropolis Railway. Yes, which was the amazing railway line that was dedicated to carrying the dead of London out to uh, Brookwood Cemetery. Yeah, which is what 20, 20, 30 miles outside London. Yeah, yeah, we've spoken about that before, haven't we? You can still see the booking. St- station if you go out of waterloo station um down the escalators into sort of where mcdonald's is and then turn left out of there and walk to the corner that's you can see the signage above it oh wow yeah yeah. it's kind of opposite where that big massive max cinema thing is yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah that 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 kind of thing fascinates me you know the the fact that you could book your funeral on the train (laughs) yeah i'll have a a one-way but yeah, that whole thing about the, you know, lost stations and disused stations of the underground as well, it's, you know, yeah, completely fascinating. But I think, the, you know, the, the main thing about today's talk is is the celebration of the Great Fire of London. Have you seen that they've built a giant wooden model that they're going to set fire to? <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I, I saw a glimpse of it on the news and I haven't had time to uh, to look it up, but they've built a giant wooden structure that's a model of the original city at some kind of scale. I don't know what. Uh, look it up while I'm talking. <laughs> I, I'm doing that. And uh, it was on BBC News, I think. And they're going to set fire to it. I don't know whether they're going to do it tomorrow. Um, but I think the fire went on for three or four days. But Peeps in his diary, um, so it happened in September. But he, even in March of the following year, he said there's still smoke coming out of old, uh, Wow. you know, cellars and things like that so well, I mean, it's it, huge 
Yeah, what's it's a, Genge? It's 120 metres long. Right. As, uh, as, to, as tall as the uh, the lighthouse at Alexandria? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a live burn will be the final event in London's Burning Festival, which will take place on the 4th of September. It's uh, the man behind the Burning Man Festival. Right. In, uh, where's that? In, in Utah or Nevada or somewhere. Has designed the model. Um. But I've seen something, I've seen a video on YouTube of a, a school that did um, like a mock-up of, of the Great Fire of London with with cardboard buildings and real fire. And that didn't go well. No, what happened? Um, it, it all got out of control it was a, and it became a proper huge fire. Um, so I hope <laughs> they've taken more precautions with this. Well, there's a... Um... It does look nice. The model looks amazing. Yeah, there's a time time lapse that you can watch with it being yeah. built. Where where is it? Out in Dockland somewhere. Uh, must be. I can't see anything about it. I, I wish I could go up to some of this stuff because it looks fascinating. There's all yeah, sorts of. But it's going to be and... broadcast live online. Right. So you, you can pretend you're there. Turn your turn your heating up, and <laughs> you can pretend you pretend you're there. But yeah, that's really cool. I, I mean, it's a. a Kind of a weird thing to celebrate, in some respects, isn't it? You know, the, the the massive destruction. We've been burning all sorts of effigies for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Um, I do like a good burning guy on a bonfire, <laughs> like the Radiohead video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, summer is coming in. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that I think that's uh, it's it's an apt sort of celebration of of things that are lost uh and carrying on our obsession with nostalgia not yeah, that's the, been not quite nostalgia heavy hasn't it well we haven't lost anything major have we in the uk of terms of buildings in our lifetime i mean we nearly lost windsor castle and um, yeah my dad had some amazing photographs and york yeah york we, Minster, yeah. that was when was that in the mid, mid 80s yeah yeah i remember that at school you, yeah, you, we had a French exchange student over staying with us. Was Maybe, it him? No, I don't think it was. But he did break my bike. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, we are a bit obsessed with uh, fire and nostalgia. We'll have to do something slightly more um, contemporary for our next our next topic. Okay. Urban. Yeah, yeah a bit more urban. Oh, no, we've just done it. We've just talked about cities for the last hour and a half. Boy, maybe we should do rural. Okay. Let's do rural. The, the mating cry of the green frog. <laughs> Can you do an impression? Uh, have you got a website of the week, John? No. Uh, I have. It's very. It's not really a website. It's a video. I mentioned him earlier, actually. Um, Jake Parker. Oh, yeah. Uh, the illustrator. He's, he's really pr- prolific on YouTube. He posts lots of videos of him drawing and illustrating, and he kind of talks about his process and his, by the way, the noise you can hear is a jar of piccalilli, uh, about his process and about kind of how he's got to where he is and advice. That was very good. And he's he's posted a video called Finished Not Perfect. Okay. It's a good little thing, short little video, simple message, which is about if you want to do something, if you want to be something, then go out there and do it. Don't worry about perfection. It's a bit, a little bit like the the adage: um, "Great is the enemy of good." 
you know, if you're striving for, for perfection, you would just simply won't finish stuff. You just keep, you know, iterating and changing and tweaking. And he talks about finish, not perfect. So if you want to be a comic artist, go out there and make a comic. If you want to illustrate a children's book, write and illustrate a children's book. Just go out there and finish projects. That's more important than them being perfect. Uh, yeah, that's really good. Nice. Like I said, very short, one message video, but it's cool. And check out some of his other stuff as well. Awesome. Mm, pies. Yep. What have you got? I've got a Marks and Spencer went there, a British yep. short crust pastry mince beef pie. So I've gone as Ooh. British as you can go. Yeah. Well, Je- well, Jessica has, to be fair. Um, and it's an oval pie. Right. Uh, nice. It's it's pastry all round on top and underneath. It's in good. a silver foil jobby. Uh, good pastry on top. I'm going in. Short crust pastry. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Not bad at all. It's like mince yeah. mince meat from you know when you're a kid. Yeah, I don't uh, mind a bit of mince mince beef in a pie. I like just a bowl of mince. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll happily eat that. Um, it's it's actually really good. Um, it's uh, pastry's good, nice and crispy. To be honest, I've been sitting here picking it because I was starving. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd say get down to Marks and Spencer. And mm. uh, the, yeah, it's a good minced beef pie, and I'm washing it down with a nine hop Kent pale ale. Lovely, which is brewed by the Western Brewery. Mm. So, what's your pie get out of uh, out of ten? I think that six. That's from good. from That's a good. one, I think I was very hard on that one, but it was so revolting last week. I can't get over how salty <laughs> it was. Apparently, yeah. the, the, the butcher's really grumpy, not a nice person. So, I'm not bigging up his business. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I have got um, a delicious pot pie from Selfridges in London. What? Nothing. Yes. Get you. Uh, Steph was in London for uh, for a meeting uh, up that way, so she dropped into Selfridges and actually bought me four pies, three of which I've already eaten. Uh, three little <laughs> mini mini pies. I had a a pork pie, a steak, and ale pie, and a venison and prune and stout pie. Wow! All of which all of which were quite tasty, but like those, you know, they were the mini bite sized ones, all way too dry which is kind of the way those things go. But this is a, a big kind of proper pot pie, hand re- uh, you know, hand-reared. Hand-reared. Hand-reared <laughs> pot pie. You know what I mean. Um, and it's a, a big one, so I'm only having half. Um, nice, chunky meat, loads of jelly, uh, and I'm having it with um, with a bit of uh, tracklements. Uh, pick a lily, so just excuse me. Talk amongst yourselves. That is delicious. That is, that's everything the mini pot pies weren't. Really, really moist meat. Good, salty, sweet jelly. Decent pastry. Not too pepper. Oh, that's really good. Pickled at least perfect with it. That's going to get an eight. Oh, 
that's a really good pie. Oh, I'm pleased. Uh, it is. It does seem to be that the the scale above, yeah, above a sort of, let's say, fifty mil diameter. Yeah, the it allows a little bit of moistness to remain in the meat. Otherwise, it just becomes claggy, or it's just pastry. A little pastry bomb, isn't it? Yeah, just pop it in your mouth as a bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, this is really good. Uh, and the uh, the Hawaiian lager that I'm drinking it with, Island Lager, Longboard, yeah. is really nice. It's just a you know standard hoppy IPA, standard lager. Well, this is a, an actual lager rather than an IPA. Mm. It's good. Yeah, really nice. I might end up eating the rest of this pie after saying I was only going to eat half. Good luck uh, with your internet-enabled touchscreen uh, sentient uh, cooker. <laughs> if I don't hear from you tomorrow, I'll yeah, know what's happened. Air-shaped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, it's been a delight. Take care. Okay, so I'm going to go to the next one. 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 I'm going to go to